Hello everybody, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. and today we're going to be talking about some of the weirdnesses of my creative <laughs> method, if I can even call it a method. You see, I, when I am creating a world or a story or the setting in which a story takes place, a large part of the creative process for me is built around taking time to develop artwork to go along with it. In fact, for the last ooh, three or four books that I've written, I actually did a draft cover before I ever started writing the book. And I say draft cover because I don't always end up using that cover for the book when it eventually comes out i also you know for some of the books i've gone through and done various versions of a cover until finally coming to rest on one that i really liked but it's an important part of the process for me in getting to understand the book that i'm doing to see the cover and to get an idea of what it is that i am about to start writing and so as I am doing my nano prep, getting ready for National Novel Writing Month, which starts in November, which is getting horrifyingly close, <laughs> especially as I don't feel ready for it. But then again, I never do. So yeah, there's that. Um, so a lot of my effort this week has been spent on making a cover for Sanctify My Sins. And the reason I find this empowering and I wanted to share it with you, is there are a lot of decisions that have to be made when developing a cover. And one of the things that I have learned through doing this as many times as I have now, is even if it isn't the cover that I end up using in the final book, when the book itself actually comes out, through the process of designing a cover for at least the story I think I'm telling, it requires me to start making decisions about what is important and is not important. And it starts giving me an idea of the aesthetic and mood of the piece that I'm working on. And that is very helpful because, as I've said in previous podcasts, I've become a bit more of a pantser over time in that I generally lately have been writing without an outline. I've been spending a lot more of that outlining time doing character and world development and really getting to understand the characters and the world that I'm doing and the basis, base, basic, the most basic, uh, the fundamental, I didn't know the right word there, but the uh, core, <laughs> all of those, any of those could work, concepts that are going to go into the story and build out the final piece. And a big part of that does actually come in while doing cover design. So when I was working on Crucify My Love, I had the, the whole story actually spun out of an image 
that I woke up to. I had a dream of a very particular image, and I spent some time developing it. I ended up doing one version that I had while I wrote the book, and a second version, huh, a, a, a very, uh, I won't say a second version, because as far as everybody outside my house knows it was the second version, but because it was the second version that I showed people, but I went through several draft versions after that, once the book was written, refining that idea. That core image that was the basis for the book, when, when I first had the idea, remained in it, but the iconography and the layout and the style in which the image was realized changed a lot because of what had happened during the writing of the book. And it's, in in some ways, showing you the original and the final version of the cover for Crucify really does say a lot about what I thought the idea of the book was going into it and what the book turned into through the writing. And so with, Cru with uh, Sanctify, the book that I'm working on right now, I, I have the roughest idea of what the story is going to be about. And that worries me <laughs> so much because I, I really, <sighs> before the chain, every book that I wrote was very outlined and the chain was as well. And I ended up throwing that outline out and kind of rewriting an outline for it. And it mostly follows that second outline in its progress. Um, when, when it came to Labyrinth of Souls, I had an outline for that book, but I did not follow it at all. Mm, well, in rough contours, it, it resembles the story that I had started out to write, but it became its own beast. And the same thing with Crucify. I had a rough idea of what the story was going to be, but over time it developed into its own story. And I don't like writing like that. I really enjoy knowing what I'm doing as I'm doing it. So I, I've kind of adopted this slapdash method of writing that as I'm working and I can see future events, I start ca ca collecting them so that, you know, I have some idea where I'm going and a point that I'm going to. Sanctify is defying a lot of those ambitions on my part. It does not want a lot of those conventions that I'm used to relying on when it comes to writing a story to be there. But the process of actually working on the story and working on the cover has taught me something very important about the book. When thinking about the what what was probably going to happen in the story. I had been kind of auditioning three or four villains for the book, and I'm still not 100% sure that the book will have a villain. Uh, Crucify kind of doesn't have a villain, and that's been more the way the books that I've been working on lately are going, um, especially since I've adopted the Kishotenketsu method of writing, and it's more about, you know, building the story and the world and a twist that then has to be reconciled with the rest of the story. But a character that I thought was going to be a minor character in the story when I started working on the cover art wanted to be all over the cover. And Morwen was a character that I 
I, I thought was going to be a someone that Shinobu met in course of the story and would be kind of a counterpoint to everything that was going on. Now, again, we'll see. We'll talk again in December and see what actually happened. But she wanted to be all over the cover. And she is. She she is a major part of the cover art for this draft version of the cover. The f- very fact that she has asserted herself so much in my imagination that she has taken over the cover and actually appears iconogra- through iconography on the cover twice tells me that whatever's going on in my unconscious, in that vast sea of ideas back there that hopefully will be ready by the first to start spitting out words, she is the important character and that a lot of the story is going to revolve around her. And that is important for me. That is a discovery that I probably wouldn't have made without going through this process of doing cover design and figuring out what I wanted this book to look like, at least during the draft and the writing phase. Now, the other reason why I do covers for these books now in the writing phase is I like to post drafts as I'm writing on Wattpad. Um, I have gotten some good feedback that way, and I honestly hope to get more. But, you know, I don't want to put up just a title on there. I want want to present at least the idea of what the book's going to be on there when I post it. And so that, that simple necessity of the platform through which I post drafts is what convinced me initially to start doing these covers as part of developing what the story would be about. And I don't know that this is a method that will work for other people, and I'm not saying that definitely you have to do this, because I would never say that, because everybody's creative process is different. But if you've never tried, as part of your crafting of a story idea, to come up with a cover and use it to start deciding what elements are important, or how you feel it should come together, you might want to try it. It's, it's, it's an interesting novel experience that I never would have had if I hadn't started using Wattpad for my drafts. Having said that, I'm very grateful that I started this process because it does help when, when you have so many characters that want to be in a story. And this is where some people are going to go, you're trashing George R. R. Martin again. And no, I'm not going after Gerb, but I, to me, the thing that has always been difficult for me to get into his books is I feel like he does not winnow down the possible characters that could be in a text and thus includes every character that comes into his mind and that his editors are unwilling or unable to get him to cut out extraneous storylines that feel like they're going nowhere. And that that's my feeling. I know a lot of people enjoy the more meandering style of fiction that he writes. That's not my bag, though um, I'm sure some of you having read my books would say that I meander a bit too, just because, uh, yeah, you generally see in others that thing that you don't like about your own fiction. But, you know, definitely for me, knowing that Marwin is going to be such an important character in the book because she wants to be 
such a prominent character on the draft cover of it tells me that I need to spend more time developing her character, her backstory, her motivations, really understanding who she is and where she's coming from before the first rolls around. Because if I don't do that, then she will not be ready and I won't be ready and the writing will be difficult and painful and all of those things that I do not want to do. And I never would have known that without this particular part of the process. So if you haven't tried it, I definitely recommend that you try it. And even if you don't consider yourself a great artist, at least thumbnail sketch, even if it's just stick figures, your idea of what you think your cover will be for your book. Because one of the other things that I find myself thinking about a lot is I look at a lot of reference art, be it from um, paintings to... Uh, movie posters and other book covers trying to get a feel once i start narrowing down on the type of thing that i'm wanting to do and that starts giving me kind of a visually symbolic language to develop what i'm working on it also starts showing me some of the limits that i'm wanting to put into the story itself and the for me the the, the image that struck my imagination most when i was working on this particular project was a painting of the baptism of Christ by Gregory Gagarin. And looking at it and looking at the image that I have gotten to, they, they don't resemble each other much at all. They're, they're, I, because I have been so involved in this process, I can see a connection between the two and can see where I took inspiration from one into the other. But uh, if, if I were... To put the two side by side, you would have no idea. You'd, you'd be, why are these two images side by side? And it's just because there was something about Gagarin's image that struck my imagination and hit some of the chords, some of the notes that I am wanting to hit with this story. And while, like I said, the finished image for the draft cover bears little resemblance to Gagarin's image. I mean, even even Shinobu's pose has nothing to do with the image that we see there. I, I wanted to continue. I, I knew that I wanted to continue the religious iconography that the covers had because, you know, crucify my love while it has little to nothing to do with Judeo-Christian symbolism. And the name and the idea for the book was inspired by a song by X Japan by the same name. Um, it was so evocative on the cover of that book to have shinobu with his arms out looking like a crucified man and i wanted to keep that idea of the religious iconography on the cover and so i started looking through images for what i thought sanctify my sins would want for its cover and that's how i stumbled upon this image by gagarin and even though my current version of the cover bears no resemblance whatsoever. It gave me something to hold on to while I was developing my own ideas. And that's in so many ways why I think you should try this process and you should play with this process for developing your ideas. If you can, if you, if you're not a visual person, then this will probably not help you at all. But for someone like me who has a very strong visual component to the work that they're wanting to do, it, it 
you know, just sitting here as I'm recording this, looking at Gagarin's picture, there, there is something about it that is what I'm wanting to do in this story, and yet not at all what I'm wanting to do in this story. And I look from it to the draft version that I, I, ended, I ended up settling on. And I say settling because it, it is, I think, good enough for a draft cover. And beyond this, we'll see what happens after the book is written. But it's, it, it, it's at a place where I'm happy with, enough with it to get on to the other parts of the process that I still need. And that's the other thing with this. Learning when to let go, <laughs> learning when to say something's good enough, that is such a powerful thing for a writer to learn because instinctively, for a lot of the things that we do, it is so hard to let go and to say it's good enough, that's as good as I can get it right now, I need to move on. That That is a talent that every writer and creative person needs to learn. <laughs> it just is. It's... it's an amazingly powerful thing. And I, I've said it's an amazingly powerful thing way too much on this episode. But, you know, when you find something that does help you out a lot in your creative process, there is a sort of magic to it. See, for me, writing, as I've said on the show numerous times, is what I do. Telling stories is who I am. So finding ways to tell stories and finding ways to make those stories as concrete as possible is such an amazingly glorious thing. And any technique that I can add to my arsenal that makes that process go smoother or go easier is so welcome. Because, you know, as I've also discussed on this show, you know, I have issues with depression. I have issues with anxiety. And, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, it is more important for me and probably for people like me to find something that they can hold on to, to move forward, to gain that sense of momentum. And whether or not this or some version of this cover is what I begin to use, what I end up using with the final book, when the book is finished and edited and all that, doesn't matter. It's something that I have now. And that's the other benefit of having a draft cover. When I was working on Crucify, and I would have days where I didn't feel like writing, I would just sit and hold my phone with the cover on it and look at it. And deep down inside, I wanted to finish reading that book. I wanted to know more. And Having that tangible cover that showed me a book that I wanted to know how it ended helped so much in the process of writing because there were days that I just didn't feel like doing anything. But I could look at the cover and go, oh, man, I really want to know what happens next. I really want to know. And use that to build up enough momentum in myself, enough energy in myself to get in front of my laptop start clacking the keys and get words out, get into the world, get into the characters' minds and explore the setting and the story from their points of view because I really wanted to know. And that desire to know what was the next thing, what, where was the story going, I, I don't think I would have been able to develop 
within myself to the degree that I did without having a cover to look at. Because think about it, when you think of a book, you often think of the cover. And it's usually the cover of the book when you first read it, because sometimes, you know, books change their cover over time. And that's what you hold on to for a cover. It's kind of like, you know, if you're, I don't know how it is for younger kids these days, but when I think of a lot of my favorite albums, I think of the covers of them, sometimes even before the songs. And that may just be because I'm a visual person, like I said before, but it is something to hold on to that, like I said, I could put the cover on my phone and literally hold it in my hand and use that to spur myself towards getting the book written. And sometimes you need that because as we've talked about before, you know, writing is not always easy and there's always a point in every story where all of your inner critics come out and tell you that you're wasting your time, that this is the worst thing that you could be doing right now, that there's so many other things you should be doing that are so much more important. Why are you wasting energy and time on this? And for me, this method has helped me out a lot. And as I sit here looking at Shinobu and Morwen, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm more excited now about writing Sanctify than I was before I did this, even though I have been kind of chomping at the bit all year to get back to these characters and really find out what it is that they are going to do next. Because Granger has so much that she needs to do. And I, I can't wait to see her and Chewie and Hikaru and Shinobu again. But even with that excitement that I had, this is something that, you know, I don't know. You know, just sitting here looking at it, I, I, I want to read this book. And soon I will get a chance to do that. So, yeah. If, if you've never tried some doing something like this, I highly recommend that you try it. It's something that has helped me out a lot. Okay, so this is the last daily podcast you're going to get for a while, maybe. <laughs> okay, uh, and I say maybe on purpose. Um, I have so much left to do and so little time before National Novel Writing Month starts. And then National Novel Writing Month itself is going to be a thing. So starting next week, I am going to be switching over to a weekly format where I will be coming up with a topic. There'll probably be longer episodes. It'll probably be a longer episode since I'm only doing one for the week. And, you know, I can kind of get a couple episodes done up ahead of time so you guys don't lose out on episodes because I'm writing. Um, I say probably because I might do some bonus episodes, you know, just kind of updating you about where I am in process and whatnot, and that might be a fun thing to do. But as far as main series episodes, we're, you're going to be getting one a week until December. And based on how you guys feel about that, we'll, we'll see what happens in December. I, I may or may not go back to daily because, you know, you guys might really like how the weekly show works. And I might really like how the weekly show works. So we'll, we'll see and we, we'll reconvene on that topic in December. But starting next week through to December, you're going to be getting at least probably one show a week for me with maybe some bonus episodes along the way. Especially if like something happens that I feel like I have to do an episode on, I'll do a bonus episode to talk about that. But okay, <laughs> so that's where we're at with that. So 
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. This is a hard topic for me to figure out how to talk about it because I don't know a lot of other writers who do this. And so I don't have a model for how to talk about it. And I hope it made sense to you. If you like this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate the episode or the series, please do that. That tells the algorithms that other people should see it. And that helps the podcast to grow. If you know somebody that you think would be helped by this episode or this podcast, please share with them. That helps me out a lot. If you got a buck you can throw my way, depending on the app that you're in, you may see a button that says support, support on Anchor, or in the show notes, you'll see a link that says support on Anchor. You can click that. You can support me at the $1, $5, $10 levels. That money does really help out a lot. Um, the economy is really bad here in America's heartland, and it, it would really be wonderful to uh, you know make a little bit extra to pay bills and whatnot. Um if you want to, um, yeah, I just completely lost my train of thought. If you want to leave me a message, download the Anchor app at anchor.fm and follow me and Project Shadow over there. And you can leave me a one-minute voicemail message, a voice message. You can please keep it clean. You can ask me a question, leave a comment, or a topic suggestion for a podcast that you would like to hear. And who knows, I may use it on the show. Um... Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'll be at C.E. Dorset on Twitter. You can find all of my social media links over at projectshadow.com, as well as a link to everything that I do. If you want to support everything that I do, you can go to patreon.com slash C.E. Dorset, and that helps me out a lot. Um, and thank you to the couple of you who are already over there. Um, yeah, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.